With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, well, give me just a moment. I'm going to go tuck Dylan in upstairs, and then I'll get us started here. So Just tell well, this to Dylan be like, go to bed, damn it. But in I'm going to grab something to drink. Okay, I'll just I'll just be here. Yep, you're by yourself. Should have had Kyle. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's just you and me. Because we're still recording. It's just like high school all over again. I have no idea if I'm actually going to keep this. Because, you know, I'm the editor. I can do whatever the f*** I want. yard line and it's green again out of the wildcat and he will throw this time touchdown jake paulson well he's got the fifth year senior at quarterback wow and he is held up ball is stripped loose taken away by blake cashman and he will return it the other way minnesota scoop and score off the strip pj fleck and the minnesota golden gophers an impressive performance on both sides of the football as they stun the Purdue Boilermakers. 41-10 is the final. Bobby Petrino out of a job at this hour. Louisville has fired the head football coach for Yahoo Sports. Uh, I mean, I'm telling you, this is going to be a skeleton staff led by interim coach Lorenzo Ward while the Louisville administration, I mean, they, they've got someone. Everyone knows, Louisville fans, they want Jeff Brom. They want the, the native son, the former Louisville quarterback. You know, through and through Louisville football has been the Brom family, and now it will be on Louisville Athletic and Vince Tyra to go and get it. 
Welcome, welcome to the Hammer and Ales podcast, the Purdue football podcast for SB Nation's Hammer and Ale, Hammer and Rails, not Hammer and Ales. Jeez, I'm changing the name of the blog now. Anyway, we are here, and it's been a very eventful weekend for Purdue football. Didn't do a whole lot in Minnesota yesterday. Um, easily the worst game of the Jeff Brom era. And then the news that Bobby Petrino is out at Louisville now has us sweating to the end of the season of will he or won't he? Will Jeff Brom stay or will he go home to Louisville? With us tonight, we have a couple of guests. We have, as usual, out on the West Coast trying to dodge fire. Juan, how's how's things going? Smoky, I assume? Very smoky. Um, it definitely looks like the marijuana laws that California passed a few years ago have taken effect. It's either that or the wildfires. One or two. It just depends on are you getting a good contact high or not. Definitely not. (laughs) It's the worst contact high I've ever had. (laughs) And also with us from here in Indy, the rarely checking in, Andrew Holmes, the uh, guy that basically makes a prediction for us every week and then doesn't do anything else on the site. But we like him anyway. So, Andrew, how are you today? I'm good. I believe uh, my official title is Morale Booster, right? Yes, he provides support. He boosts us all up in our group me chat and everything else. Does he do a good job of it though? Yeah. Well, oh well, I will not. Morales in more ways than one. Being wow. the person that that takes all the crap also boosts everybody's morale, right? Yeah, but we also have Kyle for that. Yeah, but I'm I look more adult. So you're just the version of Kyle that doesn't do anything. <laughs> no, I'm a version of Kyle that does things in the real world more than Kyle does. Well, there we go. I mean, Kyle doesn't listen. No one, no one on our staff listens to these podcasts anyway. So we can bash on Kyle all we want. Ledman's the only one who listens. So yeah. I have not even listened to, to the ones that I was on before. So oh wow. <laughs> so uh, yesterday's game at Minnesota, just a terrible, terrible day all around. Um, I got to admit that I was a little bit worried when they took the opening possession. It worked eight minutes off the clock and got a field goal out of it. And I, th- I think uh, Rob Blackman and Pete Quinn on the radio broadcast, because I was coming home from running some errands as the game started, they said it best is sometimes when you have a lengthy drive like that, and even though you're not that far behind, you start pushing, you, get, you feel like you've got to get everything in a big chunk when you still have a lot of time left. And I really think that that drive kind of threw us off offensively, and we never got in any kind of a rhythm whatsoever. Oh, yeah, definitely. It just... Yeah, it really did feel like we were catching up the whole game. I mean, even in those first couple drives, it was like Blau was just trying to chuck it down the field and get something. And I mean, there were some plays that also didn't help where the receivers may have dropped the ball and stuff like that. But it just seemed like they were just playing desperate football. (laughs) Yeah, and it it didn't make any sense. I mean, I just, I felt like we abandoned the run too early, especially against a team that gave up 400-some-odd yards on the ground to Illinois. It, it, it was a really, really odd game. It just We kind of let them dictate the pace when we never should have and never had reason for them to dictate the pace. Yeah, we had uh, left the run, and then we had our usually accurate quarterback being extremely inaccurate the entire game. And I think our def- the defense has played over their heads for the majority of the year, and then I think they finally showed up to their talent level and their depth on um, Saturday more than they had all year. Right, and it's just, 
it, it was just really strange. And I do have to give credit to Minnesota. Obviously, they played much, much better than they did against uh, against Illinois. And they're not a terrible team. It's not like we got beat by an Illinois or a Rutgers or anything. But I think it was just shocking that the margin was there and everything went sideways with that with the fumble six after that too. Yeah, it definitely seemed like it definitely seemed like <laughs> that's all I can say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was just bad play calling to begin with. And then any decent play calling just felt like a bad execution. There were times where it seemed like Blau was about to do something, second guessed himself, hesitated, and then got hit, like trying to recover the play at the same time. And then players were running routes and, you know, setting and planting themselves two yards from the first down marker a few times. It's like, you got to know where you're at. It's just, just overall bad, bad football. I kind of wonder if we'd practiced in the cold weather very much the last week because they definitely acted like a team that had not been in the cold for 12 months well according to a coach from michigan we don't know how to simulate the cold and produce facilities so there we need a giant walk-in freezer at west lafayette apparently to practice that's that's basically what minnesota is isn't it yeah it's a wasteland but yeah did we lose travis Um, i think we did yeah is he dead Maybe somebody stole the copper out of the <laughs> wires. That is entirely possible. Well, much like Purdue football, Travis has disappeared. I'm confident in the comeback, though. I was just like Saturday, I was confident in the comeback all the way until about the fourth quarter. Midway through the fourth quarter. When we gave up that scoop and score, I was just like, well, that that's the dagger right there. Because it was just like any, any sense of momentum was just lost. Mm. Well, I felt like if we'd scored, if we'd been able to put a drive together after that could have come back. I feel like this team doesn't get down very much and that they always they always believe they can come back. And Bla I think Blau especially always believes that he can come back. When he when he starts to drop, I think is when everybody so drop. They're kinda like sometimes they can be like the Saints over the last well, not last year, but two or three years before that, where I felt like they always could come back because the offense was so good, but you really had to you had to kill them, kill them before they would quit. Right. I mean, we've seen two sort of comebacks already with Northwestern and Missouri. They just couldn't complete them. I mean, Northwestern, they were already down 14 nothing. What, they were down 21-10 to against Missouri at one point mm. as well. And, like, we're sputtering in the third quarter before making that fourth quarter push. So, I mean, they could do it. Maybe it was just also the weather, too. Just nothing was working at all. I think that fumble was a big killer. Because I think 10 points before that... Ten points is nothing for this offense, oh, yeah. especially against Minnesota's defense. But just like before the Vikings, not the Vikings, but with uh, some of the other NFC and AFC North teams, though, when you come in and you play them outdoors in the cold, all bets are off. I think part of it, too, is that we might have just overlooked Minnesota as well, thinking, all right, coming off another ranked win at home, going on the road against a team that is reeling. In this case, they just fired one of their coaches. They, they could have easily just overlooked them as well, because I felt like we overlooked Michigan State going into that game as well, thinking their pass defense is trash, but completely forgetting about their run defense as well. And then overlooking Lombardi, who is probably actually better than Lewerke at this point for Michigan State. Yeah, you almost felt like a uh, team was checking their phones on the sideline to see if who was winning in the Northwestern Iowa game. <laughs> yeah. And I, again, I think the fact that they did fire the defensive coordinator. I think you always get that next game 
that full on heart from whatever unit loses the coach or from a team that loses a coach. I think you see at least one game or at least one half of everything they've got to show that it wasn't their fault. Drew pointed out in last week's podcast as well that like Minnesota is, was, is the kind of team that you need to put away early. Like in all their losses, they've pretty much just gotten blown out from the start. I think that's a reflection, honestly, a little bit of the P.J. Fleck type of thing. Because I think you can pump a team up and then when adversity hits, where do you go? Right. Hey, I'm back. At least someone associated with Purdue made a comeback this weekend. Hey! <laughs> now the bas- hey, the basketball team, not quite a comeback. But survived. yeah, I had to reset my modem and my and my router, so that was wonderful. Oh gosh, yeah. But yeah, basketball had a good win. And speaking of which, hopefully we can get the basketball podcast started up soon. Uh, that's all in Casey's <laughs> corner. Let him eventually. Do it. I'm trying to push him. But we'll get there. So anyway, I think we can just agree that the Minnesota game sucked. I yes. Mean, it, it just that's all you can do is put it behind you. And uh, the, one of the things that I think stands out though, and part of the reason I have some confidence going forward is that this was an anomaly under Brom. You know, this was his twenty. Uh, 23rd game as our coach. It's the first time that we just really got our ass kicked the whole time. It was the first time it seemed like we gave up since probably the Michigan game last year. And really, I don't think we gave up in that Michigan game. I think we just ran out of gas because we were still leading in the third quarter, pretty deep into the third quarter of that one. It's true, but that was mostly just, you know, defense holding its own until the dam broke. Like, the offense did not get a first down in that second half. But that's a whole nother story. Right. But this was just, I mean, it's an anomaly. Whereas Hazel, I mean, his first season, that's all we did was get our ass kicked. I felt like Rutgers last year, more than give up, it was just like every single thing just happened to go wrong at the right time. Basically, the Rutgers game was we would gain 50 yards... And then a drive would stall and we wouldn't score. And then Rutgers would punt it back and we'd go 50 yards. Drive would stall. We wouldn't score. Rutgers would punt it back. And that that's just all we did. That's how we ended up with 500 and some odd yards and only 12 points. It was ridiculous. Yeah, and then they had a couple of those back-breaking big runs, which... Yeah, they basically made two plays on offense and said, all right, well, we're just going to sit on this now. (sighs) But anyway, so the bigger the bigger news, though, is we can probably just move this move forward. And Jeff Brom is going to turn things around and hopefully stay for a while as the bigger news that broke today. Obviously, Bobby Petrino out at Louisville. The Louisville athletic director has already publicly named Jeff Brom as his top target. So there is definitely some concern there. Will he go or will he not go? And the sooner that Brom officially turns them down, the better. It would be nice if he began his uh, press conference tomorrow with the, I'm not going to Louisville, I'm staying, and just give a definitive answer. But no, that's not going to happen. It, it would just be nice if he would do that. I mean, he knows that he's going to get an offer. He knows whether he wants to stay or not. And it would be nice if he knew if he's staying or not, just be like, okay, I want to address this now. It's obviously going to be an elephant in the room. I'm not going anywhere. Done. That's the easiest way to settle it. You know damn well he's not going to say anything like that until afterwards. At most, he's just going to tell Louisville and us that, you know, he's not even going to consider it until the season's over. The same thing he did when he was at Western Kentucky and Purdue was trying to hire him. Yeah, very much a guy to just not say anything either way and do it to be respectful to both sides because I think that's the, that's one thing that I like about Brom over, you know, say any other guy that we could land is just his character and the way that he handles things and handles himself is Basically exactly how you would want him to do it, except this time when you want him to come out and just say, 
F Louisville, and <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. Well, we had a we had a couple questions on our Instagram, and Juan knows how the how the uh, youth out there actually use the Instagrams. Yeah, so we have two questions. One of them is relating to Brom. So this first one's coming from Byron uh, Slawback. I'm sorry if I mispronounce anyone's names here. That's just how you say it in Spanish. He says, "Going to be negative here. Assuming Brom leaves, who replaces him?" Well, that, that's a really good question. There's a number of targets out there, but I haven't done any research as to who we would actually go after. And I'm, I would wonder if we would promote from within with either Holt or Brian Brom. Now, is Brian Brom ready to take over a major conference program? I don't know. But um, it also depends on who Jeff would get to come with him at Louisville. Because remember, he brought most of the staff over from Western Kentucky with him. So it's a case of who's left at that point and i think that that's another reason that we had some success because he brought most of his staff with him and there was that continuity whereas when we had the transition from hazel he didn't bring much of his staff from kent state it was kind of a hodgepodge collection of assistants from all over and obviously it didn't work out so it's really hard to say who we would get you know just trying to go off the top of my head whoever the guy is at utah state would be a good choice he's got them eight and one you know i'm trying to think of I don't know if I'd want to go with the Matt Coach du jour because that didn't work out very well for us. Uh, someone mentioned Lane Kiffin, and I think that would be an absolute disaster. <laughs> I mean, the Lane Train, Boilermaker Special. I mean, I don't want... Lane Kiffin would just be bad, but it would make a great meme show for yeah, preseason. I, I, see, with Lane Kiffin, I'm just like, what has he ever done? He right. has failed at every stop that he's done, and he continues to fail upward. I, I don't understand it. It well, he didn't fail. He, he didn't fail at Tennessee. He just left before he could fail. <laughs> I mean, I I don't get what is so attractive about him, other than okay, his dad was the really good defensive coordinator for Tampa. Is that really worth it? I mean, the guy is okay. He's fifty-one and twenty-nine in college. I mean, he couldn't do anything at USC. He couldn't do anything at Tennessee. He he was expected to have a great season this year at Florida Atlantic, and they're five and five. Really? <laughs> it's definitely not going to be Lane Kiffin. I think I would have to revoke my JPC membership if Lane Kiffin was hired. Well, I know that there was one that, when we were looking at Brom, there was a reader that was adamant that we should go after uh, Art Bryles. And no. I finally was just like, no, no, this is not happening. This would be a terrible idea. And uh, this is the same reader that actually sent me a death threat as a result. <laughs> so... On that note, a little bit un- uh, unhinged. Speaking of uh, guys with a maybe potential baggage, is do you look at assistant coaches in the Big Ten like Ryan Day, Inter- the interim coach while Urban Meyer was suspended? I think that'd be a good look, but I know Day is going to get a look whenever uh, Meyer leaves, which could be by the end of the season. And uh, I, you know, I wouldn't want to go after Meyer because he doesn't know how to win in West Lafayette. So I think another point came up earlier too is. When it comes to staff, and I think this is a little bit off of the question, but Brom does seem like the guy that's going to want to take all of his staff with him. And then you get into, again, can Louisville afford to do that? It seems like they know that they can at least somewhat afford to take Brom, or at least they know it's a gamble. It's a gamble that they can take. Now, if Brom goes to Louisville and does not do well, and they have to fire him or whatever whatever that could really hurt them but if louisville's financials were horrid they wouldn't have already said that they were going to go after brom i mean because they got to pay purdue close to six million if he leaves 
or at least I think that is like Brom would owe six million, but I know usually the school that's hiring him pays that off for him and whatnot. Because I think we're, I believe we're paying. I believe the terms that he's under right now is we're pay. We paid off Western Kentucky for him to leave, and then he just basically gets an interest-free loan that every year he's at Purdue, uh, he gets like a hundred and fifty thousand taken off of that until it's done. So it, it's a complicated issue because he would still have to pay us what he owes for what we paid Western Kentucky and then part of what he would uh, what they would have to pay for him to leave too early and it, I think it comes out to about six million just to uh, get him on top of the uh, what they're paying Petrino too right and Louisville knows that so I'm getting the sense that they've probably talked to their boosters and said if we hire Brom will you give us more money true so it's and it, it's gonna be interesting and uh it's a big risk for them, that's for sure. Because yeah. if it doesn't work out, like they could possibly be in financial ruin, which, you know, I would be okay with. Wasn't what, what about a year and a half ago before the sports stuff, or maybe it was two years ago, that the governor or somebody was actually trying to close down Louisville? I can't remember. It's something like that. I know Louisville has also had issues on the academic side because they are almost weren't accredited as oh, a university. Sure. Worst Power 5 school by far. I mean, they make... They make Nebraska look like Harvard when it comes to the rankings because it's about that big of a difference. Right. So I know that was a big issue for them. But the point is, is I think that the only thing that was like kind of keeping us from worrying about Louisville taking Brom was the fact that Brom has only been here for two years. They may want to stay another year or two and that Louisville doesn't have the money. But it's clear that they're willing to spend money they don't have to get Brom. So... And keep it costs the, like four bucks to go across the bridge on 65 now since they rebuilt it. So that's probably where they're getting the money. I say we tear down that bridge and build a wall. <laughs> build the wall. <laughs> Kentucky from, sends their worst. I'm I mean, from Kentucky, southern Indiana, so. Kentucky is basically Indiana's Mexico, so, you know. <laughs> I've, got, I've got plenty of uh, Kentucky jokes. They're like, they're like our version of Mexico, but just with your food. I will not hear you badmouth the name of the colonel. No, KFC's okay. I used to work at a KFC. It's the only job that I've ever gotten to paid to... Pr- oh, God. <laughs> well, it's a good thing that uh, Juan's in charge of the editing and not Casey this time. Yeah, we can no cut kidding. That. So what was our second Instagram question on that note? So the second one was actually dealing probably more with recruiting. And it's saying, what's the big... So it's from... Uh, Josh Wintrow, uh, again, sorry for mispronouncing less names there. Uh, what's the biggest unfilled need for 2019? I'm, I'm looking at the class right now, and it's actually pretty full. I mean, we've gotten, looks like four offensive linesmen, which is always critical. And you can never have too many linesmen, and I'm, I'm glad that he's addressed that. Defensive line is stacked. Uh, I would say that defensive line has two players that could probably start for us right now with Karlaftis and Fischel. And I just love Bo to say show. it, show. Got a couple of linebackers here, four-star safety, and we got four defensive backs. I mean, we even have a uh, non-scholarship long snapper and a uh, kicker from Alabama. So it, it's pretty set. Uh, two tight ends, two running backs. I mean, I would kind of like to see maybe another running back just because we're losing both Knox and um, Markel this year. And we would basically be left with, we would be left with Fuller, and then we have Horvath, and I'm forgetting the guy that came in in this recruiting class. I'd have to look back, but we only we have two running backs 
uh, committed for next year. Who is the running back that we got this year? Did Worship graduate? Worship. I keep forgetting about Worship. No, Worship would be still here. He is just, uh, he's missing the year. He'll be back as a senior next year. And I think potentially he could get a sixth year because he's already red shirt. He's already used his red shirt year. So this year is kind of a wash for him with the ACL. You call yourself a Christian. You're forgetting about Worship. <laughs> uh, Evan Anderson is uh, red shirting this year as a freshman. And then next year we have. At running back, we have Dejuan Hewitt and King Doru. Those are great names. I love those names. I, th- I think I would anticipate next year running back would looking at uh, Worship Fuller and Daru probably is the th- three guys that would compete for the most time. I think Daru is better than his ranking from what I've heard and could be could garner some potential time there. I haven't seen a whole lot from any of the other guys really. Uh, I think Horvath could do pretty well too. He's done all right this year, and I like that he's getting he's getting a lot of run right now as a as a walk on, and he's not been bad, honestly. Well, I think he's I think he's gonna he'd stay in that same kind of role though, as the fullback, H back, um, run some run some stuff for him. But I don't think he's gonna be getting any of the kind of the regular carries. I wouldn't expect not with not with the talent i think of those other, the other three that i've listed it is fun to have a giant number 40 in the backfield though getting the ball again that, it, that just brings takes me back so well you don't win games with pandering to the old people though travis it's not how that works and i am one of the old people now i guess so ain't nothing wrong with a good fullback that's right but yeah as terms of what we're in terms of what we're missing um you know, I would probably say maybe another defensive tackle because we've got three ends and one tackle too. That would just having another tackle would be nice. But you know, it's it's a pretty stacked recruiting class, and I we've got guys that are coming in that are going to be instant impact players like a Carlaftis, like Fashow, Wright, Marvin Grant is probably going to be you know he'll slide right in and start at safety. It's going to be just a really impactful class, and I think that's another reason that I think it's critical to keep. Brom, because we've got to get this class signed. It's the best class that we've had in a very, very long time. And it's one of those classes that can raise the entire program up to a next level. Uh, We may not see an instant raise with them all being freshmen next season, but you're looking at an impact two, three years down the line when they're all still here and coming into their primes that you could have a really, really good program built on uh, on their success. Yeah, one point about, uh, I think the only guy that we have left that we're going to be continuing to be actively recruiting is Bell, because I think at this point, the scholarship chart, pretty full. And so I don't think the coaching staff sees any holes that are an immediate need. Now, if, uh, you know, we lose some guys to transfers or, you know, the offseason shakes out, might add some guys to that list, some transfers, some, maybe some JUCOs that pop up late. But I think defensive line, I think Karloftis, you can slide him inside if need be. I think next year's class is going to be another big class for defensive line because we need that depth. I think that's been our biggest weakness is that we just can't play Lawrence O'Neal every single snap or he's going to die. Yeah, we we get we have zero pass rush right now from our defensive line, and I, I think it's pretty telling that we have a safety that has as many snaps as every defensive lineman combined on the roster, and that's uh, they're decent against the run, uh, but they they get no pressure up front, and we're having to do anything possible with blitzes and whatnot 
to break up a passing game. And that's where a guy like Karlaftis uh, is going to be such a, he's going to be such a force on the outside. And he's going to be such a difference maker from day one. See, I'm just thinking like, assuming we can not only get Brom to stay after this off season, but get him to stay two more years this recruiting class we have coming in next year, like again, like they'll make an impact next year, like you said, but really it's going to be their sophomore year. And I'm looking at the 2020 schedule and assuming Brom stays and that recruiting class is still good, like could have a really good year in 2020, I think. Absolutely. Because the, the toughest games I'm looking at are probably going to be at Nebraska to open up the season, assuming, you know, it seems like Frost is starting to turn a little bit, the tide there, and then at Michigan are definitely going to be the hardest games. But other than that, we get Wisconsin and Iowa at home. I will and say Boston College could be tricky. It's true, but it's, it definitely could be a, a really great season that year. To Frost's credit, I think uh, Nebraska's out-recruiting us this year already and it's just his first full recruiting class yeah and i mean we're seeing i mean granted they've beaten i mean they've beaten the minnesota unlike us and illinois <laughs> so i mean like you know they you know frost just needs like that really bad start like he, he can't he took ucf from an 0 and 12 team to 13 and 0 so you know he just needed that like 0 and 6 start to get started yeah they have yeah. less they have less commits uh but they're higher rated they have six four stars According to twenty four seven, already signed, and none of them. Well, one one's from Arizona, but other than that, it's all Midwest and kind of the Rocky Mountain areas. So really, right in their recruiting footprint. Yeah, yeah they're they're getting it done, but it's it's just nice to see Purdue in the top twenty five recruiting wise. I mean, I, I it's nice to have some actual talent coming in as opposed to trying to talk ourselves into you know these seven two star guys might be diamonds in the rough that everyone overlooked. If you recruit enough two star guys, one of them's about to be good. Yeah, that's true. I, think we, I mean, I think we actually we got our share. We have a few guys uh, on the team right now that are we're two star guys that are showing out or you know didn't get highly recruited that have worked out. For us, but how much is how much of that is scheme and how much of that is them actually being underrated and better to go with the four star guys because more more of them are going to be hits I think than uh, thirty two stars per per year. This is true. Yeah, unless you're Danny Hope and then all four star recruits flame out. <laughs> I do have a I do have a good Ken Plu story. So oh, uh, well, Ken Ken Plu can be bad for us. Uh, <laughs> Ken Plu nearly wrecked us. But on that note, on that note, maybe uh, we should talk about next week's game. Absolutely. Let's uh, move forward. We have Wisconsin coming in and Purdue and Wisconsin. The history has not gone well of late. Uh, They actually have the longest win streak of any opponent ever over us. They have won the last 13 games in a row, 12 games in a row. Excuse me. Well, it's not only that, but the last time we beat Wisconsin was 2003. And mm-hmm. not counting Rutgers and Maryland, Purdue has beaten every single Big Ten team at least once since the last time we beat Wisconsin. We have not beaten Wisconsin and West Lafayette in 19 years. Or no, in 21 years. The last time we beat them in West Lafayette was 1997. It's true. But at the same time, I have some hope because the last time Purdue beat three ranked teams in one season was 2003, right? Uh-huh. And the last time Wisconsin lost a home non-conference game was 2003. And this year they lost to BYU at home. And so since 2003 was the last time Purdue beat Wisconsin, maybe we just re- keep repeating 2003. Maybe. The thing is, is Wisconsin's not been good this year. Uh, I know they started the season highly rated. They Their offense has just been ridiculous. For, for a team that was number four, 
they cannot pass the ball. Now, granted, I know that we have struggled this season when we've had a glaring weakness facing us. Like, oh, Minnesota can't stop the run. Well, we didn't run on him. Oh, uh, Michigan State can't stop the pass. Well, they stopped the pass and they had a backup quarterback go nuts on us. But uh, Hornybrook has just been awful. And they are 115th nationally against the pass. Now, they're sixth in the run at 266 yards a game, but especially these last few weeks, they're, they have just stagnated offensively, and I think that plays into our hands. Plus, we have been playing much, much better at home, and it would be nice to ride that home momentum and get this done. And, of course, Hornybrook's been hurt, too. They've been on their backup quarterback the last few games as well. Right, and I think a big thing is we're going to have to – force Taylor to make a few errors as well. Cause I think he's been having a bit of the fumble ruskies mm-hmm. lately. Like he has had some trouble with ball security and that's cost Wisconsin, a few key drives for them as well. So we'll just have to see. I mean, this could easily be a low scoring affair as well. Well, I'm, I'm looking at their backup quarterback, Jack Cohn, the last two games combined, he is 14 of 27 for 124 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. And that's two games. Plus, that's the benefit of facing Rutgers for crying out loud. Well, we have a worse pass defense than Rutgers. <laughs> so I can guarantee you that Cohn or Horningbrook are going to throw for like 300 or so yards because our pass defense is the third worst in FBS. Yeah, it's, there's that pass rush again. And... Uh, Taylor, uh, Taylor's rushed for 393 yards and four touchdowns in the last two games. So I think we know he's going to be getting the football. Just probably. I think to avoid this being a Minnesota situation, we are going to have to score probably twice in the first first quarter, at least twice in the first half, because well, we don't. the defense is not going to be able to take run after run after run after run. We just don't have the depth. And that's what we ran into, I think, in Minnesota more than anything, was that the defense was not ready to deal with being on the field as long as they were. And I think, it, I would, I've just got this running theory with Blau, he has got to get a scoring drive within the first two drives of the game, or he just does not get anything going. He needs to get in that momentum early and often, because at Michigan State and then at Minnesota, he didn't get any kind of he didn't get any kind of rhythm going early and that cost him the rest of the game and but then you look at Illinois you look at Ohio State you look at Boston College what happened he was able to get that early drive going and that kind of set the tone for everything yeah and I think part of it too is just he's got to get the ball out faster you know because in both Michigan State and Minnesota like they put pressure on him and made him feel uncomfortable. And again, he was hesitant, double thinking things. And he ended up having to either throw the ball away or get sacked. And Wisconsin, even though they're not as good, like their defensive line is probably better than Michigan state's and Minnesota's. And they're going to give our weakened offensive line some trouble. Well, I think Minnesota uh, had better pass rush when it came to the defensive line than you really would have thought. I think who, uh, I think they had a player who was one of the better, Pass rushers in the league so far this year. Can't remember his name. Oh yeah, uh, Willicus uh, or no? That, no, they had the top. Uh, Willicus was for Michigan State, but I know what you're talking about. It was the linebacker that leads the Big Ten in sacks. I think it was Coughlin. It was his name, something like that. Yeah, we really do our research here before these. <laughs> Well, I I do I am encouraged that Wisconsin's run defense is 
67th in the nation at 161 yards a game. So it's not the usual stout run defense that we, we've we normally faced. But again, it's better than what we just saw in Minnesota. And look what Minnesota did. So I think it's critical that we've got to get, we can't go away from the run like we did against Minnesota. There's got, we got to find room there and we've got to get it going. I think it'll be a big help uh, having this week of practice. The weather is going to be the same all week as it is going to be on game day. Again, I think we had, you can't simulate freezing conditions when it's not freezing outside. But it was cold for Minnesota too. Right. I mean, it's not like, it's not like it was, it was only warm on our, it was warm on their sideline or anything. That's why I don't buy this whole weather excuse. It was cold for them too. They can deal with it. And so can we, it was something they were able to practice in that weather. I think it was about fifties in Indiana all week. Minnesota, had a few lower temperatures. I'm not saying it's a, the only reason, but it our looked guy, like our guys were not prepared for cold weather. Oh yeah, our guys looked super cold on Saturday too. That didn't. I mean, they just yeah, like you said, they weren't prepared or they didn't know how to play in it. I say I also have a Minnesota cold weather game story too. So oh really? Now when when the rugby team lost eight to nine in the playoffs at Minnesota in negative seven degree weather that's chilly that is very chilly <sighs> but it, it would just be nice to get the bowl eligibility out of the way i don't want to go to bloomington w- with it uh up in the air still i mean yes we should beat indiana but it, it, w- it would be very demoralizing to get to five and four and then see this all fall apart here at at the very end of at the very end of the season by dropping three in a row and missing a bowl game when a bowl game would be so meaningful after the 0-3 start. Be like the complete opposite of last season. Yeah, it would be. I'm, I'm going to tell you a secret. I really want us to get the bowl game eligibility out of the way this week. I was really hoping it was going to be Minnesota because IU has better overall depth of talent than we do. But I think we have better coaching. I think we utilize what we have better. I think we have better coaching and I think we have better high points i think quarterback play blau is better and of course they can't match the explosiveness of rondale moore but overall they have lost more games by bad coaching and basically unfortunate mistakes and unfortunate circumstances than people really give them credit for uh, and i'm with you and it, but that's been indiana's mo for a long time under a number of other coaches too I say we brought up the Wisconsin record. Of course, you guys know I grew up an IU fan. I looked back. The last time IU beat Wisconsin was 2002. I barely remember any of my teams <laughs> ever beating Wisconsin. <laughs> it, it's it's just been, and I think what has made it stand out is most of these games haven't even been close. We haven't scored more than 20 points against them in these 12 straight losses. We we lost 49-20 in 2016 to them, and we lost 31-20 in 2005. That's it. That That is our high watermark for points scored during this whole losing streak. And the time that I went to Camp Randall was 2009. We lost 37 nothing, And the only reason I stayed was long enough to uh, experience jump around. And then I was like, all right, let's flee this place like it's on fire because <laughs> it was that bad. Well, I remember a few years back, uh, this was 2010. So I was watching it for the sure, uh, just watch IU pain. But it was eight, the 83 to 20 game oh, where God, Wisconsin yes. kept putting in backups and they just all kept breaking off 40 yard runs. 
every single time they touched the ball. So it was just they weren't trying to run up the score. There just wasn't anything for them to do but just keep running over the IU defense. I think that was <laughs> wow. the Monty, I think that was the Monty Ball era. Yeah, it sounds like the Monty Ball era when they had like the third string back. Later would have like all NFL backs, yeah. games. Yeah, that was just ridiculous. Well, on that note, let's it, hope we can start a new history on Saturday. That would be nice, and it would also be nice to send off the seniors with a with a nice home win. Just to go into the off season, win your la- win your last four games at home, and especially win out on win on Senior Day. You always want to win on Senior Day, even if it is against Wisconsin, and it'd be quite the memory for them to go out by beating the team that we haven't beaten in twelve years. And I and I think beating Wisconsin would also bury the hatchet when it comes to the fumble as well, no, because that no. was Wisconsin. And that's when the losing streak started. Yeah, that's true. Because that was the first game in the losing streak. <sighs> oh, boy. We're, we're just having fun, aren't we? Yeah, so let's just sign off. <laughs> right here. Basketball has always done very well against Wisconsin, though. We're just oh, gonna yeah, except last year when it cost us a damn Big Ten. Well, okay. Well, maybe we can bury the hatchet in Ethan Happ's leg. No, Ethan Happ is the most overrated player in the Big Ten. He has one move. Ford is also very overrated, though. But this is not the basketball podcast. Let's wrap this up. Okay, so any final thoughts, Holmes, before we go here, or no? Louisville's fan base does not deserve happiness. (laughs) Now, this is true, because Louisville is the only place where I've nearly gotten arrested at a college football game. I was so drunk once on, uh, is it 3rd Street in Louisville? Yeah. I thought I I was going to be arrested when I... There was no threat of that actually happening. <laughs> I've never been to Louisville, and I plan on keeping it that way. I have been to two Louisville football games, both against Miami, and it was the second one that I nearly got arrested, mostly because their fans thought that just because they beat Miami means that they were suddenly on the same level as them nationally with five national championships and all the history and everything. And it is amazing to see the arrogance that they have because they've won a couple sugar bowls out of the Big East. Ah, so now, you, so I guess that's what the that's how produ- that's how IU fans view us in basketball. <laughs> we created the Big Ten. You're damn true. right, we created the Big Ten. They wouldn't have the Big Ten if it wasn't for us. Anyway, they weren't even at the original meeting, so. No, it was it was all our guy with James H. Smart, who had one of the best mustaches ever. Have you ever seen the picture of his mustache? It's incredible. Oh, my God. This podcast is never going to end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, OK. Uh, do you have any final thoughts, Juan? We'll turn final thoughts to you. Hold on. Hold on. I, no, 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 you're done. No, it's, very important. it's very important. Trust me. If all goes according to plan, we're supposed to go to the Iowa game for my son's first Purdue game. But he had a fever in the morning and that did not happen so now we do have tickets for wisconsin so all goes according to plan will be rory's first purdue football game and first uh football game in general for that matter well my son's first football game was uh hazel's famous 20 to 17 win over indiana state (laughs) and i'm surprised i wasn't arrested for child uh abuse after that because we've taken him to so many bad football games and i love that david blau asked him how long he's been going to games when we went to the fan day this year and i told him i was like well he's been coming since 2013 and david's like oh well now you get to see some good football so (laughs) all right juan your final thoughts oh finally are you sure you don't have any other things to say, Holmes? You know, get it oh. all out, you know, we since can you don't write anything. Breeze's coaching future. Nope. 
Nope, we're done. I'm so, I'm gonna actually just sign off for you guys. For Travis and for Holmes, this is Juan Crespo from the West Coast signing off and boiler up. <laughs>